0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Basketball is, um, it's only, it's a huge part for sure, don't get me wrong, but it's only a part of your your college experience. Uh, You know, wanna go somewhere where you you can be successful socially, academically, um, a place that's gonna set you up uh, for success after you're you're done playing, after the the ball stops bouncing.
2: Welcome to 94 and More, a podcast presented by Bristol Studio. I'm Jake Fenster, and I'm joined by my co-host, Vic Law. So, mate? Today, our guest is Duncan Robinson. Duncan, thanks for joining the show. Of course, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. Happy we're uh, able to find a time to do this. Yeah, man, it was quite a struggle, but we got it to happen. How has everything (laughs) been for you this season? I know you guys just, you're starting the second half uh, tonight. Uh, can you kind of take us through what this has been like for you?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's been a super interesting year, um, you know, just between the the new protocols, uh, you know, the no fans um, and and everything in between. Mm-hmm. So we've had guys in and out of the lineup pretty much all year. So we've definitely faced some adversity from that standpoint. Had stretches where we played really well. Had had stretches where we've played terribly. So, um, you know, all in all, those it was nice to to finish off the second half right at five hundred. We're kind of viewing it right now as as a clean slate. You know, heading into the second half, and hopefully we can you know gain some momentum and and really start to improve.
2: How tough have those restrictions been? I, I know you've only been in the NBA. I guess this is your second season, like as an NBA full time.
1: Yeah. 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 This is, yeah. Third year, uh, removed from college. Uh, first year was on a two way. So spent a little bit of time, um, in both mm-hmm. places and, and yeah, this is now my, my second
2: year. And last year was strange as well because everything got shut down and you went into the bubble. Um, so I guess you don't really have that normal traditional like full NBA season of just like normal life and, and kind of, you know, navigating what that's like yet
1: under your belt. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I've this is my third year removed from college, like I said, and, and I've yet to have, like you said, a, a normal season my first year, you know, being back and forth from from Sioux Falls and Miami uh, was, was certainly a unique experience and then last year I thought it was going to be normal and as we all know that I quickly changed so, um, and, then, and then this year. You know, has, has just been kind of somewhat crazy. Um, so at, at this point, it's just kind of what I'm used to. Um, you know, when I when I do finally have a, a normal, quote unquote, normal season, I, you know, that that'll be my first. So we'll see. Duncan, speaking of a uh, crazy man,
0: you know, life as uh, we know it has been crazy. Things haven't been uh, normal for quite some time. But just uh, tell us a little bit about your story. I mean, your story itself is crazy. Um, going from a smaller school to then getting to Michigan to then kind of going through the back door of the NBA and, uh, you know, getting your foot in the door. Uh, just tell us, tell some of the listeners about your story.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm from small town, New Hampshire, um, you know, basically not quite middle of nowhere, but certainly not a lot of, not a hotbed for basketball, <laughs> that, that's for New Hampshire. Um, so, you know, I, I grew up, I, I was, I, I grew really late. You know, I, I was five, six as a freshman. I didn't really have much of a high school career, you know, I remember my, my junior year, like not checking into games. So, uh, Vic, you and I have very different high school careers. I I will say that what you were doing (laughs) over at at St. Rita was looking a lot different than what I was doing, uh, you know, at, at governor's, um, in in Massachusetts. So, uh, yeah, I, I ultimately ended up, um, you know, having the opportunity to play at Williams college, which is a small Mm -hmm. division three school in Western Massachusetts. Shout out Mike Greenman. Shout out Mike Greenman, of course. Uh, And uh, that that was a great experience for me, man. I, I loved it there. I wanted to stay there. Um, I I you know had a lot of friends. I, I enjoyed the my basketball experience. Had a great relationship with the coach, and he uh, ultimately took a Division one job. You know, we had a really good year. We lost in the national championship, and uh, he was fortunate yeah. enough to to move on to Marist, and that kind of opened up the door for some potential opportunities. At that point, I didn't think that. I certainly didn't think that, you know, Michigan or anything high major was on the table or even division one, truthfully. Like I, I thought yeah. maybe some Ivy league schools, maybe, or some Patriot league schools would maybe be interested, but, um, I was, I was pretty surprised when, when Michigan came around and when I got on campus and for some reason, coach Beeline offered me a scholarship, it, it was just something I couldn't turn down. So, uh, spent four years in Michigan, played three, sat out one. And then, like you said, just, you know, took another opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I played, uh, in the summer league with, with the heat and was fortunate enough to, to make some shots and, and get a two-way contract that summer and just tried to make the most of those opportunities and parlay it into something more. And, um, it's just kind of been a whirlwind, uh, certainly appreciative of, of all the, all the stops that I've made along the way. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. learned a lot uh, along my journey.
2: I want to take it back to something you said, um, you talked about when you, you were in high school as a freshman, you know, you were, I think five, seven and you played point guard. Yeah. Um, I read that you would take or you would try to make 1,600 shots per week. Why that number? And what would happen if you didn't hit that goal, right? Because you had that work ethic. So you were obviously building towards something. So can you kind of walk us through that?
1: Um, I mean, the number was pretty arbitrary. Uh, It's funny how like certain stories and headlines yeah. like gone. Like I had a a stretch uh, a year or so where I had like a, a shooting journal that I would you know, write in and make sure I was getting my makes and my takes every week. Um, you know, people ask me that like all the time of how many shots do you need to make a week. And I think, I think there's times where, you know, it's, it's, it's really good to just have that like insane volume where you're really developing that muscle memory. Um, I think that's super important, but now, you know, it's like people ask me today, like how many shots do you make a week? And it's, it's just, it's changed now, you know, it's, it's had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, off season and in season looks very different, but you know, the sixteen hundred number was it was pretty arbitrary. I think at that point it was just more yeah. about holding myself accountable, um, to like maintaining consistency. So uh I, I think that you know, anytime uh you know you're you're able to like put numbers and, and put like a, a a visual physical goal to something, I think it just holds yourself more accountable. That and also having the opportunity to to like go after a goal with somebody else. Um, I, I think having somebody that's kind of on your same mission, uh, just naturally, you're going you're gonna to push each other and, and hold each other accountable to what you're trying to achieve.
2: Yeah, so when, when you were in high school, right, so you were clearly pushing yourself, working on the volume, trying to become a better player, a better shooter. Uh, was college something that was on your mind throughout all high school that you wanted to pursue basketball at the next level? Or was that something that you started to realize as you got later into high school? Uh, maybe your senior year and you were like, Oh, actually, this is something I can, I can do.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I always loved the game um, and I, and I love to play and I, I just love to be in the, the gym and work out. Um, you know, in, in many ways, I was kind of like the the only time that I felt like I was like really able to be myself and, and just kind of like enjoy my surroundings. Uh, so I, I always wanted to play in college for sure. You know, up until my senior year, I certainly didn't have the resume to do so. Um. But you know, I was I was hopeful, and and my main goal for basketball was was really to use it as a vehicle to get me into a school that without basketball I wouldn't be able to get into academically. Um, that was definitely a priority of mine. I, I wanted to go to a, a really good academic school and set myself up for the future. You know, with maybe a chance to to play like professionally overseas at some point. That that was kind of the goal. Um, but it it was it's funny. Like I remember after my junior year having a conversation. Um, with our AD saying like, I, I wanna start filming our high school games. Cause we didn't have film, like it was crazy. It, it, I was operating in like a totally different world. We didn't have film and I was like, <laughs> I wanna film our high school games because I wanna like be able to send film to coaches. And she kind of like gave me, gave me a look like you, like you don't actually think you're gonna be able to play in college, right? Um, <laughs> and at that point I was like, damn, all right. Uh, I mean, I do, maybe I'm like delusional. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny to look back on, like, little instances and moments like that and um, particularly, like, looking back and, and think of how much my perspective has changed over stuff like that. Um, so, you know, there's obviously, you know, it's it's kind of the cliche of, like, there's always going to be people that, that don't see what you see or um, are going to try to, like, hate on, on your vision or grind or what have you. But it, but it is it is interesting to look back and just think about those little, little moments. How...
0: Uh, now, you talk about you couldn't even get film. How... In a, in a small town like that, small school, how big were your dreams, man? Like, how did you actually get to get down that path and then be able to put the work and the grind behind it to say, no, fuck this. Like, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people don't have that drive to be able to
1: jump over all those hoops and still make it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, for me, something I've, important that I've learned in my journey is to just be very present where you are. Um, not try mm-hmm. to like forecast success. Obviously, you know, I, I had the goal of, uh, like any kid, like, right. Like playing freshman basketball, playing the NBA, whatever. Um, but it's not like I, I was waking up every morning and going to the gym with like, I'm going to play in the NBA. Like, this is what I'm working for. It, it was more so like, let me just get on the floor in, in high school. You know what I mean? Like, let me, let me, let me, let me impact winning at this level. Let me turn my, you know, 10, 15 minutes into 20, 25. You know, let me turn my six points a game into 10 or what have you, you know what I mean? Like to the point where you just start to like stack little goals and, and knock them off, you know? And and then Mm -hmm. as you, as you start to knock them off, you start to develop that kind of resolve and and the confidence of like, all right, like now now we're working with something. And and then you start to experience a little bit of success. Um, And of course, you know, it's, it's not linear, right? Like it's, you're, you're going to have successes. You're going to have setbacks um, and everything in between. So, you know, as you experience the success and as you kind of start to chip away, um, understanding that, yes, I'm like, I'm, I'm waking up every day and and checking the box and making sure I'm getting my work done, but like, I'm also playing the long game here. You know what I mean? Like nothing, nothing's going to change day to day, maybe even week to week or month to month. But if I just continue to, to work, um, continue to handle my business that, over long stretches right like over a year two years three years i'll have something to show for it
2: and it doesn't hurt to be to grow from five seven to six eight
1: yes a lot of of, i will say a lot of things a lot of things outside of my control went my way as well it's it's not not that's pretty
2: that's pretty crazy did you know were you expecting to be that tall like were you expecting that jump or did that just kind of come out like oh no it's kind of weird let's keep going with it
1: i was uh I was expecting to grow from five six, five seven for sure. Um, I I would have expected like six three, you know, six four maybe. That's where um, I stopped. Yeah, I, you know, I, have, I have that's I'm why I'm not. I have a little. bit you guys in my family? Um, so I I was optimistic, but but nobody's close to to six eight or you know even six five for that matter. So that's why I, I thought I would end up like six three, six four.
2: Is is that a weird? I mean, maybe this is a silly question, but you guys would know better than me. But is that a weird adjustment to make, right? Like to – because your game is more kind of you're a shooter. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was in high school if you were handling the ball a lot. Um, but is that a weird adjustment to then be that tall? Like were people trying to put you in the post? Uh, were you trying to work on your post game more? Or were you kind of confused or did you know your identity and the height was just, all right, well, it's just an extra thing I have now?
1: Uh, the adjustment was was really – myself physically. Like I, I had to grow yeah. into the fact that I was that tall and like I for for a large stretch of time, like I didn't it hadn't like registered mentally that, that I was now like, you know, as a high schooler like six four, which is which is pretty big in, in, in high school, six four, six five. Um so I, there were some awkward years, man, where like I, I felt like I, I was slow as shit, like I couldn't run. <laughs> uh, I was like kind of uncoordinated, like it was it was just a struggle. Um, and then it, it started to kind of come together, you know, like my late into my junior year, my senior year, um, and then my freshman year, just kind of like though that that little span right there. Um, I started to get comfortable with, with my with my height and my length and start to realize like how to be effective at that height and length and. Um, you know it's like anything it takes time you know what I mean like it's 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 never gonna be overnight
2: true can you um walk us through so after you you grew that you were that tall and that was what after your senior year of high school yeah
1: yeah yeah that was so, uh,
2: yeah dur- during that like you were transitioning to a prep school was yeah it I time? did
1: I did a one yeah I did a one- year um, I did five years of high school, five years of college, call it the 10 year plan. Uh, you know, I might, I might trademark that, but I, I took my you time sure? with it. I took my time. You didn't go, you sure. play
0: in the m did you? Is that that? Is that NEPSAC,
1: yeah, Yes. You NEPSAC, know, Yeah. NEPSAC. Yeah. is the, yeah. nep- that's the league? New, New England Prep School Athletic Conference. Um, you know, in the Northeast, a lot of people don't really understand what like prep school or boarding school really is, um, you know, across the country, but in the Northeast, it's, it's really prominent, um, you know. If you if you have aspirations of playing athletics, but really particularly basketball at, at a high level, um, you know, pretty much all the players end up end up going there. So, how did that
2: help you in the recruiting process, right? So, you that would be an extra year there to kind of get some more eyeballs, to get some more tape, um, yeah. and then what, How did that contribute to your recruiting process for college?
1: Oh, it was it was huge, man. Um, you know, looking back, that that was one of the most pivotal years for me, for sure. Um, just because you know, it, it felt like I don't want to say that I was like cheated out of a year of high school because I, I really wasn't that good, but like I felt like I should have been playing as a junior um, and I wasn't really. So, you know, doing a fifth year basically just gave me another year of high school basketball. And uh, I ended up in a really good situation um, with a really good coach who really had a good feel for my situation and, and where I could ultimately go on and be successful. Um, so it was, it was, it was huge just for the the career trajectory and, um you know helped me grow up as well you know when I when I stepped on campus and in college uh, I felt like I was kind of a, a step ahead of my peers and that I'd already you know basically been it's like a it's like a mini college experience really uh just with right. a whole lot a whole lot more rules but it was a higher level of basketball and uh it just allowed me to step on campus at, at Williams and just feel a whole lot more comfortable um and, and that was the other thing that you know the reason why I really wanted to go to Williams is because I, I I didn't want to wait around for a school that was like lightly recruiting me to change their mind. You know, I wanted to go somewhere where I was wanted and I was prioritized and I was going to go and, and I was going to play and have an experience. Like I'd already, I'd already sat on the bench in, in, uh, in high school enough. You know what I mean? Like I, I was trying to go somewhere to play. Because I mentor some kids in Chicago, kind of helping them
0: with college stuff and just like their mentality of basketball. Can you tell us about your experience at Williams and just that dynamic of Williams' Division Two, right? division three division three so even but like going like not just having that because you know some kids in basketball are like it's d1 or bust like if i'm not right. division one i'm not good enough you know i can't um enjoy college can you tell us about your experience at williams and how that made you a better basketball player and a better person in general
1: for sure um you know i, I think that you know different people want different things um so mm-hmm. you know I'll, I'll just speak for you know myself and my own experience but you know, for me, it was, I, I really wanted to prioritize fit. You know, I, I wanted to go somewhere like I kind of alluded to, like, I wanted to go somewhere where I felt like I would first off have have success in the court. Um, and I think that, you know, recruiting wise, I, I was prioritized. So I felt like it was a it was a good fit from that standpoint, like that, that had been right. made clear to me that, you know, my skill set was going to be valued, you know, what I was bringing to the table was valued. Um, so that was really important to me, but also like, you know, there, there's definitely some, you got to check your ego of like, I, I remember cause I committed to play at Williams before I played a game at, at Phillips in my prep school year, which is kind of unheard mm-hmm. of. Usually guys wait around, but like I said, I, I knew what I wanted. So I just, I just decided mm-hmm. to go. Um, but mm-hmm. there's definitely some of that checking the ego of like, you know, you might play against some kid who's committed to play somewhere, like some division one school or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would maybe feel like I was better than him. Um, but at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm running my own race, right? Like, like that's kind of the, the mental stability that you, I think is important of understanding, like, look, this kid might be proceeded to be getting these offers or he might be going here or what have Mm -hmm. you. Um, but instead like go somewhere where it it makes sense for you. Um, and, and and you can really have success basketball wise, of course, but just in all facets, you know what I mean? Like basketball is, um, it's only it's a huge part for sure don't get me wrong but it's only a part of your your college experience uh you know right. you want, you want to go somewhere where you you can be successful socially academically um a place that's gonna set you up uh, to, for success after your your done playing after the the ball stops bouncing so that that's what I felt like I really had in williams and and that's why you know in the recruiting process it, it became really clear that, that it was mm-hmm. a great option for me and um but there was definitely some of that like the competitive side of me of being like, man, I should, I should wait for, you know, this division one school or, or whatever. Right. I'm certainly happy that I didn't because I, I wouldn't have ended up where I did um, or where I am today. If I had gone to like, if I had waited for like a Columbia or, or a Brown, um, right. Just just because this-, this was the only path that, that was going to be, I was going to be able to, to get to where I am.
2: Yeah. What-, what you're saying about fit, I think is really important. And it's such a important message to spread because there are people who get so stuck in a mindset and they're like, all right, I got to go to the NBA. So this is my route. This is the only route. And I think in that mindset, you overlook um, maybe what's best for you, right? Like you're saying this route that you went was very unconventional. Very few people have done what you did. Um, And I think, but what you're saying the whole time was you constantly were paying attention to, Hey, I just need to get a little bit better. I need to just execute at a higher level and keep building off that. And if I stay true to that, I'll get where I want to go. Um, And I think that's just a really important message to, to continue to echo. Um, But can you talk us through after that first year, what happened that led you to transferring to Michigan?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, I I was, I was set on, on staying at Williams. Uh, You know, I, I had a great experience there and I, you know, we had just lost in the national championship. So my goal was to get back and win one, if not two and, you know, hopefully stack some, some personal accolades as well. Uh, you know, be the all-time leading scorer in school history. Like there there are a bunch of goals that I had yeah. um, and I was excited to, to go after. It, it really was not until like middle of the summer when uh, my coach at the time, Mike Maker took a division one job and left. And, you know, I felt a, I felt a ton of loyalty to him. Um, I definitely felt some loyalty to my teammates and the school, but a lot of my loyalty I felt was to him and that he really recruited me and gave me a, uh, incredible opportunity so when he left it, it just kind of opened the door we had this weird stretch for where for about a month there was we didn't have a coach um so this was like I'm trying to think like late June uh a lot of July and I remember hearing from my my high school coach my, my prep school coach and he was saying uh you know like I don't I don't necessarily think you should transfer but you know if you wanted to I'd of people have been reaching out and, and there have been some calls and whatnot. And, and I'm thinking like, all right, maybe like some division two schools or, or maybe, yeah. some, you know, low level division one schools or, or whatever. And, uh, I'm like, you know what? Nah, like, I, I think I'm good. Um, you know, I think at the time it was like, I was thinking like, would I, would I leave Williams for Holy cross or, you know, or Brown or something like that? And I'm like, <laughs> maybe, but like, even then, like, it's not, it's not really worth it. And then, it just kind of started picking up traction, and you know, I remember Davidson calling, and I was like, "Damn, Davidson, Steph Curry, like, mm-hmm. they've sent guys to the NBA, like, this is crazy." Um, and then from there, it just kind of, it just got nuts. Like, uh, Iowa State, uh, Michigan, um, BC, Creighton, uh, you know, just like all all these different places that, w- which was weird. Like a year and a half ago, wouldn't even be in the same gym as me. You know what I mean? Like they they yeah. they didn't they didn't have anything any sort of interest in me, so. Part of it was like, kind of like what changed. Um, but then the other part of it was like, man, this, this is really cool. Uh, this is a totally different recruiting experience than I've ever had before. So uh, I took a couple of visits and, you know, when I got on campus at Michigan, you know, my big concern was like, once again, I, I didn't want to go and I didn't want to sit on the bench, you know, as cool as it would be to play in the big 10 or whatever. Like I love, I love I playing like that. That's, that's what I wanted to do. So, when I stepped on campus at Michigan, it, it became pretty clear, uh, and I'll give a ton of credit to Coach Beeline, is, like, he was like, no, like, we, we really see you having a, a serious role here. Uh, so that's all it took. I mean, the, the opportunity to, to have a role and, you know, a chance to compete for Big Ten championships and national championships, it was like, all right, like, where do I sign up? So I committed yeah, on my visit, level. and it was just, like, it was, it was hard to turn down at that point.
0: How uh how easy was it for you to transition into uh, Michigan? You know, bigger school, ton of people. You know, guys coming from much different backgrounds. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jake and I have both heard the the Mo Wagner beer story when uh, you were the host. <laughs> how uh what are uh what are some 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 good ways that the guys kind of accepted you in
1: and the coaching staff kind of you know allowed you to feel comfortable? Yeah, it was, it was a challenge, man. You know, I, I sat out my first year, which I. I think helped a ton. Um, I I think Mm -hmm. that was the the ultimate blessing just in that I I just don't think I would have been ready to play right away. You know, sitting out that year allowed me to really get ready physically um, and also just practice every day and experience some success. I I will say like, there's no substitute for actually like having game success. Right. And like, I I felt like I could contribute and, and I was good enough to help uh, you know, when I first stepped on campus, but Mm -hmm. You know, there's always that that doubt that creeps in the back of your minds. Uh, I remember early on, you know, my first couple of months and even like deeper into my that first year of not playing, thinking that I just made like a terrible mistake. Like, oh, there's no no way I'm going to get on the floor here. I remember Mm -hmm. playing like one on one on one, like King of the Hill or whatever, King of the Court Mm -hmm. with uh, with Karis and uh, Karis LeVert and Derek Walton and I just I looked like a traffic cone dude I couldn't I couldn't stop them I couldn't score on them like I couldn't do anything and you know they won every spot and I like hardly scored and I was just thinking like man this is this is bad dude like I I'm I'm just not good enough um so there were a lot of moments like that uh but you know once again like it's just you know never too high never too low um I I did really enjoy you know I did really enjoy Michigan from like a just like a college experience standpoint but uh you know with that being said like there's there's always that that thing in the back of your mind where it's like you know basketball is the the, really the main thing that drives your college experience if you're a college athlete honestly just because it's like you know it's what you think about it's what you put all your time into so yeah there was always that like if, if this doesn't work out the way that i i wanted to uh you know, you're going to be looked at it. You know, he couldn't get it done. He failed, blah, blah, whatever. Yeah. Um, so there, there's, there's always that, which is real, but I just tried to, you know, focus on what I can control, which is, you know, handling my business, yeah. um, you know, getting in the gym, you know, checking all those boxes and, you know, just, just seeing where the chips fall after that. What was it like
2: for you? You just kind of alluded to it, but with your teammates being kind of even more talented um, than maybe some of the players you were around in the past, what was it like adjusting to, experience of big 10 basketball right playing out there with some of these amazing guys who were recruited at young ages and they're just touted as the next the next prospects you know like a vic law like those types of
1: guys yeah no that's real um you know it was it was my particularly early on like it was a lot of breaking down this like fear of that I'm, i'm not good enough um and, you know, the, the biggest the biggest jump is, like, physically and athletically. You know, the Big Ten is a yeah. physical conference for sure. You know, I, I felt like I was definitely skilled enough and had some ability to, like, be impactful. But there was always just that concern of, like, am I just going to get, like, bullied and, and punked? Um, but that's what that that first year of sitting out really helped with is, you know, I think I put on, like, 10, 15 pounds and uh, became a little bit more athletic. And, you know, just started to, like, build some confidence in, in that – area uh but it it was definitely it was cool man honestly like you know there's it was just a year full of firsts like oh my first national tv game my first you know conference game my first time playing against you know whatever michigan state or northwestern like all these teams that i would grew you know you grow up watching you know big time college basketball so it it was just a cool experience and you you try to walk that line of like you know this is really cool and this is awesome but also being like nah, i belong like i'm good enough to be here you... I thought want to
0: say how before Jake before you even say anything. you're no, talking about first at North Washington Michigan. I just feel like every time we played you guys, right, like it was always shit. Like it was a double overtime game. Right.
1: Yeah. Always. We played
0: you guys indie and you like Zach made a three. We come or uh, like a, a pull up. We come down score. You make a buzzer beater. I mean, we had the the, the full court layup. Like it was right. only you guys. Like whenever we play you guys, it's always some kind of wild ending and I feel like uh and I feel like that's like whenever I think back on like some of my favorite college memories it was like the Michigan games are definitely some of my favorite
1: yeah no we we had some some great battles man for like you said for whatever reason it didn't really matter like if one of us was you know as a team like trending and playing well or they was playing poorly like it didn't matter like it was always gonna come down to the wire um and I think like when it was all said and done there you know, in terms of like us playing against each other, I think it was right there around like 500, you know, I, yeah. I know you got us <laughs> yeah. a couple times. I know we got you a couple times, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's fun, man. Just like looking back and, and memories like that are, are fun to look back on for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask if there was like a moment or maybe a string of moments where you started to feel that you belonged at Michigan and in the big 10 and playing out there on that court.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there are there definitely moments <clears throat> uh, in my first year where, you know, I'd have success in practice or whatever, but the the real ones started to come when, when I, you know, the real bullets were, were really flying um, in real games. And I think, uh, you know, my, my first game, you know, I, I played like 15 minutes and I was like, oh, uh, one from the floor. And I was thinking like, oh, man, like I, I got to start to figure some things out or, you know, at this point early in the year, they're figuring out rotations and who's going to play and who's not. And it's all kind of mm-hmm. like arbitrary. Obviously you have like your kind of starters or whatever. And then from there, you know, at that point I wasn't starting. And uh, the second game of the year, we played Elon. And uh, I just, I I got some open shots early. I made some shots. I ended up going like six of six uh, from three and, you know, what, like whatever, we, we ended up winning big. And that was like, at least at that point, I had kind of established that, amongst everybody they're like all right he's at least worthy of like having a, a role you know like he's somebody that can like get hot and, and really help us if you know offense is struggling so that was a huge turning point and then from there it just became like all right like can you do it in, in bigger games uh, and, I, and I remember the Big Ten ACC challenge we went down to NC State and you know at this point I think we'd already dropped a game so we're like three and one or something like that or four and one and we ended up beating NC state on the road who ended up really not being that good that year, but still like, you know, NC state, (laughs) that's that's a big, big big time basketball. And uh, you know, I I played well, made some shots and um, from there it was like, that was a big confidence builder as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it just compounds, you know, like little stuff here and there, but there's definitely looking back, there's little moments of inflection that that were definitely turning points for sure.
0: I guess even, even bigger, so not just college, but going on from high school on like what? What part of what? Like point in your career do you know? Like you could be special, or like you had what it took to do everything that you know that everyone sees, right? Like, because I think every player has that like maybe not defining moment, but there's that like something clicks where you're like, I belong. Like you know, I I am as good as I think I am, or you know, like I
1: can be so much better. Like what was that moment for you? You know, for for me, it's 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 really been. You know, like gaining the confidence and the resolve, like at at each individual level, right? Like, there wasn't a point in my Michigan career where I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm good enough to play in the NBA." Like, it was mm-hmm. it was never that. It was more so like, "All right, I'm I'm starting to establish myself as like a solid, you know, player in the Big Ten. Um, mm-hmm. Then I, I I just got to parlay that into an opportunity, right? You're right, you know, a summer league chance, whatever whatever right. it may be, uh, and then summer league you know, once I started making some shots in summer league and realizing that like the game is very different at that level, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, different things are prioritized, you know, structurally, you know, spatially, everything is just kind of, it's just very different from college Mm -hmm. as as I know, you know. Um, But then at that point it was like, all right, like this, I I was kind of being seen in a different mold. You know, people kind of thought that they knew who I was as a player, just because, you know, Mm -hmm. as Michigan, we played a lot on TV and, the rap was kind of out on, on who I was. Um, but that was an opportunity to be seen in a new light, you know, playing summer league. And then even from there, like having some success in summer league or even like having success in the G league, mm-hmm. it was never like, Oh, you know, that this means I'm, I'm an NBA player in my mind. I felt like I was, mm-hmm. I was deserving of an opportunity. Um, right. And if I had an opportunity that I can prove it, but you know, once again, it was going to take the the success know, or making shots, you know, in an NBA jersey uh, to, to mm-hmm. really, really like kind of turn that tide. And, and that didn't happen until really last year, um, right. I had, just early on in the season last year, we had some guys out with injuries um, or just kind of weird things. And I, I, I had the chance to play some minutes early on and, um, you know, made, made some shots and, and just kind of turned, right. you know, 15, 20 minutes into 20, 25 and, you know, just tried to continue to run with it
0: um now about your uh ascension into the nba and and just playing the g league i think a lot of people don't understand like the grind that the g league is
1: mm.
0: especially uh being a two-way player always have to go up and down i mean you were in sioux falls going back and forth between miami how was that
1: i was gonna say man you, you had a 45 minute drive man i had two flights so wow and, yeah um yeah you know what man i I I love I actually love my it's easy to say it's looking back but like I I really enjoyed my my two way experience just because you know it it allowed me when I was with the heat to you know I I was very rarely in the rotation I think I played like 15 games or something but um you know when I was with the heat I was able to really observe and and learn about what it was going to take to to get on the floor this level and start to like familiarize myself with concepts and, and start to really understand some things and then you know, that, that was invaluable. I was in the locker room with guys like Dwayne Wade, Adonis Haslam, um, guys that had you know success at the highest level in this league. And then, you know, I'm, I could couple that and turn around and go play in, in Sioux Falls and, you know, I was going to be featured. You know, I was going to take, right. you know, 12 to 15 shots a game, um, have the opportunity to make mistakes and still stay on the floor and play through those and showcase my ability of like, I'm not, I'm not this kid that averaged, eight points a game as a senior at Michigan. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I have more to me than just that. Uh, and, and that was incredibly valuable too. Um, and like you said, just understanding like G league is brutal, man. It's, it's, there's a ton of talent. Um, and people are just like, everyone's coming for everyone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, a, it's, it's very cutthroat down there. Yeah. It's very, very cutthroat. And I think that that, that really like developed me in a, like mentally in a, in a, in a way. Um, and that, it's just like you—you you always got to be looking over your shoulder um, and, and right. protect what's yours, like protect your dream, protect your journey. Um, so I think that that helped a lot too. So I'm, you know, I, I think that the G League experience is—it's so much of it is based off a situation. If you're in a good situation, yeah. I think it's a, a really good opportunity. But um, if you're not, it it can be you know totally different. Right. And, and I want to take it back just a little bit,
2: and I have a funny story that goes along with this, but. Um, so when you graduated college and you came out, you came. You were uh, before the draft. You had some pre-draft workouts with some teams. and I think you were in LA uh, for yeah. a workout with the Lakers. Yeah. Um, there's this restaurant called Fresh Corn Grill. Oh, that, that's my spot. Okay, me and my friends have gone there since it was a smaller restaurant, like down the street since oh. high school middle school. I have one really good friend who went to Michigan, and I would go visit him all the time. <laughs> and his name's Artie. Vic knows Artie very well. Very outgoing yeah. guy. And when I was at Michigan, people would always tell me that I looked like you. They're always be like, <laughs> you look like Duncan. And we were at Skeeps one night and you were there. And uh-huh. Artie was going crazy. But you know, I'm not the type of person to make a scene or anything. So we're at Fresh Corn Grill. I think it was the emptiest it's ever been. I and it, I was waiting for Artie and you were there. There were like five people there, and it was me and you. Not that you would know, but Artie saw you, saw me, and started freaking out, like laughing making a whole scene in the restaurant and I was just like put my head down like no no <laughs> and and you walked by and he was like trying to he was trying to get me to take a picture and I was like I can't do that I cannot mess like this guy you should have done
1: mind. it man you should have done it man that that's hilarious Fresh was, store Grill is so fire, I was gonna say I what that you know,
2: place. it's funny because that was like right right as you were transitioning from from college and like you know I'm sure you get noticed and people Bug you, but it probably wasn't like really? well. At that point, I certainly wasn't. It point, I, certainly it, really. it, I thought it would have been it would have been really funny if the if yeah we had done that. But uh, but now because of all your success, I get the Duncan Robinson comparison. I meet people even last week I met someone, and they're like, I went to Michigan, do you know who you look like? And I was like, Duncan Robinson, yeah. How'd you, you know? Go. I'm like, all right, well, you know, that's just all a credit right. to, to your success <laughs> in the NBA. But I wanted to the question I wanted to ask was. How did you you went undrafted in the 2018 NBA draft, and how did you choose Miami? What was it that went into that decision? Were there other teams you were thinking about? What was the ultimate factor that led you to the Miami Heat?
1: Yeah, there were uh, there were a handful of teams um, at this point. It was just a you know a summer league opportunity, and and that's really what I viewed it as. I wanted to go somewhere where I felt like I was just going to be on the floor in summer league because that's obviously the most important thing, right? <laughs> Hell yeah. Can't showcase what you're capable of if you're not on the floor. So uh, I felt like Miami would be a good uh, good fit just because you know they they had expressed a lot of interest. They were actually you know uh, Coach Bo actually called me before the draft. He was the only only head coach to call me and said like, look, you know we don't have a pick because uh, that was the other thing too they, they didn't have a pick that year, which I thought was going to be really beneficial for me because it's it's one one or two less people that they're worried about featuring in summer league because obviously the draft picks are the guys that they want to take yeah. all the shots. Um, so, you know, coach spoke, called me, he's like, look, we don't have a pick, but if you don't get drafted, we, we would love to have you, uh, for summer league. And, you know, he kind of just told me a little bit about the, the organization. And obviously I, I, I knew a lot of what he was saying, but still just, just to hear it from him, uh, meant a lot. And then, you know, they've had a ton of success with undrafted guys. You know, they, there's a long history of, uh, you know, them not necessarily playing, just playing guys that, you know, they're financially invested in, uh, you know, giving big contracts or playing money, whatever, which is tends to be a, a thing around the NBA, uh, but instead just putting out the guys that are going to help them win and giving opportunities to guys that show up and, and you know, work and handle their business. So it, it seemed like a really good fit. And uh, you know, from summer league day one, the fact they didn't have a pick definitely helps. Uh, you know, I, I played a lot right from the beginning and I was able to just kind of parlay it into, into an opportunity.
2: Yeah. I mean, I know, I know from Vic, you can speak to that experience as well, like being in the summer league and, having to deal with you know teams when the team has draft picks they get kind of priority right like they kind of get the ball more yeah. uh, they have a little bit more leeway um, I'm not sure Vic what would you the first one to
0: say, like, say and I can say it because I'm in Australia Summer League is the worst thing like as a player that like it yeah. unless you're the guy like bro you're there for Lord knows how long in Vegas I can only do Vegas for like three days yeah um, you know, they purposely put you in the biggest casinos in Vegas just to see, like, you know, just to kind of weed the guys out, see who's going to, you know, party, gamble, do all that stuff, who's really going to be locked in. But, I mean, from my experience in Summer League, like, Summer League was invaluable to me because it gave me my first kind of look at everything, right? Like, like, like you said, NBA is so much different than college, like the speed of the game, the spacing, just kind of like the the shots and like analytics of like basketball that comes into mm-hmm. uh, in the NBA game, and um, for me, like the Magic brought I think at seventeen eighteen guys on our summer league roster, so yeah, every day was like competition. You know, we were always out there competing, you just one another playing. And like it was like from pre draft to summer league, like definitely was like a a huge wake up call for me to just be like, man, this is it's cutthroat. Like, you know, you either eat or like, you know, you're left, you know, by the wayside. And there's no one, you know, like college, like holding your hand saying like, nah, you know, we believe in you. Like, come on, you you can do this. Like, this it really is you being mentally tough and like really willing yourself um, to do it. So, a lot of respect for you, uh, Duncan, going through that,
1: playing well. Uh,
0: and then going to the G
1: League and handling business. Thank you, bro. Yeah, it's, it's, you said it, man. It's like somebody told me, uh, like a, a vet of mine told me, like, if you can get a bucket in Summer League, then you can get a bucket anywhere because people, yeah. play, people are playing, people are playing so hard, which is a great thing. Like, yeah. people are playing yeah. so hard. Everyone's just like, it's chaos. You know what I mean? It's it's organized mm-hmm. chaos to a certain extent. And yeah. know, it's, it's, it's a challenge, man, especially when, you know, people are like, so many guys are like this is my chance this is my shot mm-hmm. and the reality is like no nba team unless you're like a lottery pick or, or you're a first round pick or whatever but none of these nobody playing in summer league is going to be taking 10 15 yeah times. you know what there i mean so no like one. Yeah. people you know I, i've heard this this analogy being made and it's the same thing with the g league too like people are thinking that they're they're submitting applications to like be the ceo like no you're, you're, submitting, you're submitting applications to be the janitor like yeah. that that's what that's what people are looking for you to do to come in and just be like whatever the the end of the bench or, or what have you um and find a way that way like if people get it all wrong it's like yeah you go for for 20 or 30 and, and some of the people would yes there are examples where like that's translated but more often than not it's like the guy that can prove that he can make shots and defend or the guy that he can yeah. really really rebound and guard multiple positions or mm-hmm. you know, take care of the ball and get people involved. Like it's those types yeah. of things that tends to translate more than, you know, just going for 20 or 30. I'm joking, yeah.
0: Um Tell us more, tell us about, uh you know, you spoke to Spolstra and now that you've been a part of it for two, three years, the heat kind of yeah. heat culture. Tell us about the heat culture because, you know, some, you know, it's kind of been, Seen as kind of like a, a stand for you know NBA culture like hard work, um,
1: toughness. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean it's uh yeah you know, I will say it's it's talked a lot about and it's it's covered a lot like in media and you know around the league. Um, but I, I think it is for good reason. I mean I think it, it's something that as an organization when you step in from day one, like you realize how seriously they take it. Um, but it, and it's it's nothing like crazy or like cultish or anything like that. It's really just about <laughs> you know, maximizing opportunities. And, and so much of that is about, you know, showing up, being a professional, um, you know, being a hardworking, like, you know, weight and body fat is a huge thing around yeah, here. I was like, going to ask. That checked all the time. Like, yeah, it, it comes from, from Coach that, Riley. Yeah. Of, yeah. It comes from Coach Riley and that like, you, you can't, you can't compete. You can't win if you're not in world-class shape. And, and it's an expectation mm. that they have and everybody's held accountable to it. Uh, and, and that's one thing I, I really do appreciate about it. It's not, it's not like it's for certain guys and that's all the way through, not mm-hmm. just the weight and body fat, but everything. Like there's a standard that's expected from everyone. So, um, and it's, it's uniform, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it cuts across the players, the coaching staff and, and everything in between. So uh, it, it just, it helps with like get, provide a roadmap and it doesn't guarantee anything. Like it doesn't guarantee that we're going to be really good year in and year out or whatever, obviously yeah. talent and players and other things to, to make that happen. But I think that, you know, we always it, like, it's, it's non-negotiable and that at least it'll give you a chance. Right. And that it, it's setting you up for success. Um, so it's, it's definitely, it's definitely real. Like I, you experience on the day to day, but it's really just about maximum, maximizing opportunities. And I think it ties in well, um, you know, it's kind of like what I've, I've tried to, to be about and that uh, you know, it's, it's not really about kind of like what you've done or, or whatever, but like, can you help this team win? Like, it's really just bottom sure. line about, about winning.
2: I was going to say, I feel like that, that work ethic, that professionalism probably translate a lot, translated a lot for you guys in the bubble. Um, Cause you, you know, you're, you're in all this chaos where everything's up in the air. And I imagine if you're in an organization, like the one you're describing, you know, they hold you to that standard regardless of what's happening. So you guys probably not much, you were probably still expected to perform to show up in shape, to do the little things along the way, but you couldn't just like kind of sit on your couch and be like, I don't know what's happening.
1: Yeah. We, we definitely viewed going into the bubble that, you know, mentality and mindset was going to be a huge competitive advantage, you know, one way or the other. Right. And, and, and whether you like, you see some teams kind of started to split and fray um, as the, as the bubble season went on. Um, so it's like, what side of that are you going to fall on? And And we had a really good group. Like we had great leadership and we also had like, enough young guys you know I I think it's different when you have older guys and guys are leaving their families and uh, yeah happy that it becomes a challenge but I will say like even our older guys were super locked in on the task at hand and you know we really just viewed it like a business trip like this is this is a circumstance we're here like everybody's in it and and let's go get it done so it it definitely helped us I think we, we all viewed that um as a competitive advantage and just gave us confidence
2: What was that like making it all the way to the finals and then playing against, you know, my Lakers?
1: Uh, It was a great experience, man. I I definitely, uh, you know, look back on my bubble experience and I'm super appreciative. Uh, You know, we feel like I grew a lot as a player. We grew a lot as a team and, you know, we're able to, to definitely do some, some pretty special things, obviously fell short of the ultimate goal, but uh, just to have had that, that basketball experience, you know, moving forward, I, I think it you know provides a, a ton of confidence, you know, for that to happen really in my, my first year, um, yeah. you know, really playing uh, I think was, was huge. So, you know, it, it definitely keeps the motivation high, you know, to get back there. You know, I'm certainly far from satisfied.
0: Duncan, I, uh, uh, there are, you know, people, I think you've said this before and it's all the articles about it, but just playing for coach Bolstra and playing alongside Jimmy Butler and uh, the confidence they give you to play and play freely, because I know when you were maybe your first year or even when you were a two-way close pressure, be like, like sh- I want you to shoot it. Like if you're open, shoot the ball. And I, you could tell just telling the games, like even in the bubble when I would come watch the games or see the games, you could just tell Jimmy was telling you and a lot of the younger guys, like if you shoot it, like you know I, we believe in yeah. you, we trust you. And as the uh, as like the guy, you know, on the team to just have that that faith. Uh, behind you is something special so how, how did that help you
1: oh it's huge man it's 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 been everything um you know to have the the confidence you know instilled in you from the head coach obviously the guy putting people in the game um and then also like you said the the best player um both of which are huge you know it just allows you i mean you, you know like it's already so hard to play well at this level and, and if your mind's yeah. cluttered or you're worried about like oh this is a good shot or you know should i be shooting this like there's just no way that you can be uh you know effective so you know early on like I, I really struggled with that um you know particularly my first year like I didn't even know I didn't even understand what was a good shot you know like or, or what shots I could take and then I just kind of started to realize that to, to just kind of shoot everything uh but then I couldn't <laughs> but then I couldn't then I couldn't make anything so it's like kind of like a process you know you you figure out what shots to take, then you can't make them, but then you slowly start to figure that out too. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been huge just to be able to play freely. Like you said, like to be clear in the mind and just go out there mm-hmm. and like focus on doing a job and, and having like a very, very clear description of like what your job is. Um, yeah. You know, if I, if I'm not out there and it's it, obviously it's about making shots, but like in a lot of instances, it's just about taking them, you know, like keeping the defense mm-hmm. honest. Like if I'm not taking those shots and I'm not doing my job and if I'm not doing my job, then, there's no reason for me to be on the floor.
2: I mean, it's incredible to see everything that you have accomplished, you know, so early. And I think it's just a testament to your work ethic um, and everything we've talked about up until this point. Um, but maybe, you know, you you had originally said that basketball or playing professionally or in the NBA wasn't necessarily the goal. You wanted to go to a school where you could create opportunity for yourself and uh, and learn and just be, um, you know, opening doors, basically, that yeah. wouldn't necessarily be open without basketball. Can you speak more to the things that you want to do outside of the game, or the things that you're already doing?
1: Uh yeah, sure. Um, you know, so I I, I just started a, a podcast as well. Yep. Uh, so you know, I I don't view us as competition. I view it as no,
2: no, no, so,
1: collaborative. Is <laughs> you know, we're all in this together. Type. And what um, what's
2: the name of the podcast, by the way? So you can plug it's you. The,
1: it's uh, it's the shot Podcast. Um, nice. but uh, but yeah, you know, I, I I've enjoyed doing that just because it's, it's allowed me to kind of find a a voice. Um, You know, I'm I'm not super active on social media. So it's, it's given me like a more, in my opinion, like a more intimate way to really connect um, and kind of share my story and and hopefully, you know, inspire a little bit. Um, And I just enjoy doing it, you know, especially this year with everything going on. It's nice to have something, you know, with all the downtime that we have. So um, that, that, that's been enjoyable. And then in terms of off the court, stuff that I'm interested in, you know, I like uh, j- just like just like anybody, you know, it's, it's nothing crazy. Um, I, I do enjoy like I've gotten particularly into like yoga and Pilates, uh, really Pilates. Actually, I've, I've always kind of done yoga, but um, Pilates down in Miami. You know, I've linked up with a really cool instructor down here and she's awesome. So I, I do a lot of that stuff. And, you know, especially this year, I'm trying to read uh, as much as possible, read and write both Um which, you know, is, is always a challenge uh, you know, when you got Netflix or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. i tell you I, what, Jake, this guy is a professional. He's in
0: Miami. <laughs> he said his off-the-court life is yeah. nothing special.
1: That's okay. Well, <laughs> nah, we'll, man, we'll i will
0: leave
2: it at that.
1: No, nah, my, my, my boys give me a hard time. Like, cause I, I really, there's, there's different Miamis though. Like when people come down here for a long weekend, they see a totally different Miami. Like I, truthfully, like I don't even really know that Miami. Like I've done it a couple of times and you know, my friends come into town, but like, I I keep it super super low key, which which I enjoy honestly. It's, it's you're incredible. a professional,
2: yeah. He's a professional. Yeah, he's not like us in Vegas or me in Vegas <laughs>
1: sleeping
2: on your floor. Yeah. Um, but no man, I really appreciate you. I, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to get across in this episode or any questions you have for us, but I don't want to take up more of your time.
1: No, no, I'm all good, man. I I really appreciate you guys having me on and. Uh, you know it's, it's cool stuff. I, I love the the Bristol Studio stuff. I've, I've been tuned. Appreciate had, you. So, Appreciate um, that.
2: But yeah, yeah mate. man. If you're ever in LA, you're welcome to come by the studio. We'll show you what's going on. Go ahead. You no, know we got to ask the Mount Rushmore question. My bad. Duncan, give forgot.
0: us your Mount Rushmore basketball, man. We won't – Jake going to give you a bias. Any? LA I'm not going. I'm not going to answer.
2: Garbage. I'm not going to say anything. You give us I'm your just Mount
0: Rushmore
1: basketball. So is, and it, I'm like, just.
0: I'm also going to say, Last Dance did come out a year
1: ago. So, go ahead and give us your Mount Rushmore. So, are you? Are we saying, like, my, my Mount Rushmore or, like, who I think are the, the best? You you can do both.
2: See? It's a distinction. Who, who do
1: you think are the best, top four all time, <laughs> and who are your top four? Like, who are your favorite? Oh, I'm, I'm just going to blend it into one. Um, okay. My Mount Rushmore, I mean, I'm going to go – so, you can't be – it can't be a current player. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off by saying that. For, okay. Know, my okay. so I'm gonna say no current players. I got to be retired. So I got I got Mike obviously on there. Um, you know I, I grew up in Boston, around Boston. So I got I got Larry Bird in there. I mean I I really I think Kareem's got to be got to be on there as well. Okay. Um And then this is kind of a different take, but this is this is where the you know I make it unique to myself. Like I grew up a huge Iverson fan, so I'll, I'll throw okay. Iverson. As well, oh, so, nothing wrong with that Respectable, yeah. I think. Also, yeah, like it's a good list. That would be like a dynamic four, right? Like if they were to ever play together, like I think that those mm-hmm. those four who, could work.
2: Who would be the fifth one to work with them?
1: Uh,
2: <laughs> round out your starting five. Uh,
1: yeah, I would say I, I'd let I'd let uh, Iverson play off the ball, and I'd, I'd go Magic. You know, L- really let Iverson you know play the two and, and lean into that. Um, you know jordan at the three we're playing bird at the small ball four and we got kareem at the five it's dangerous team that's a team <laughs> nah, i like it that, that's a that's like a respectable i know yeah. basketball
0: you know i respect the older generation uh rushmore
1: yeah no current players you know i, I can't do i can't put people on there that you know i'm nah, 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 playing, man, playing you're playing nah. guys every day yeah yeah, nah, yeah. Nah, nah. can't i can't do that can't do that <laughs> all right man
2: well thank you so much and uh good luck the rest of the way and hope to have you back on in the future
1: yeah would love to man that that, that would be fun all right appreciate all you right, guys appreciate, appreciate you dude. have a good one, good one. guys get, get you some sleep both of you guys my bad. <laughs>
2: This podcast is presented by Bristol Studio. Sound editing by Rashad Allen. Music by James Grissom.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.